Hey there, I'm Aaron Martell. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to Albumatics, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. On this episode, we're taking a request from listener and former guest co-pilot Jonathan Howard, and we're going to review the Misfits 1996 album Static Age. So Ray, how did you discover the Misfits in this particular album? I think for a lot of people in like our peer group, like I discovered the Misfits through Metallica, and especially on like the Garage Days Revisited album, which they cover Last Caress and Green Hell. But I was more in high school. I was more into Danzig itself in the first three or four. Actually, the first two albums came out when I was still in high school. I really liked the hell out of those. But then, in like I think it was like in my early twenties, I was at Coconuts Records in Pittsfield, which was Strawberries at one point. Yeah. And I found Earth AD in the bargain bin. And uh, that, first of all, started my love for bargain bins because you can always usually find this <laughs> one gem in there. But I cut out a little notch, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what, I got the cassette of Earth AD and I played the shit out of it for a year or so. And then I bought Legacy of Brutality because I'd heard the song Angel Fuck. And for a while, Angel Fuck was the only song I really liked yeah, on it. Yeah. Six months down the road, I was like, ah, I'm going to give the whole album another shot again, see if I change my mind. And I loved from beginning to end, from Halloween to American Nightmare to Static Age, every track on there. So I really like that album. As far as this album, Static Age, is concerned, I'm, I was unaware of it, except I knew the song Static Age from Legacy of Brutality. And um, there's a like I just listened to this whole album like within the last few days. So there's like a handful of songs that I've never heard before. But there's other stuff that I'm pretty super familiar with on. So that's my, my history of uh, Static Age. All right. I'd known of the Misfits for a long time, basically for two reasons. One, that Glenn Danzig was the original lead singer of the band, and I love the band Danzig. I knew that band's music. And two, Metallica covered the Misfits songs Last Caress and Green Hell on the Garage Days re-revisited EP. Everybody had that. Mm -hmm. I also liked their cool-looking skull mascot. But I have to admit that until I started preparing for this podcast, I'd never heard a single Misfits song performed by the band. So I went into this with completely fresh ears, but I listened to this album enough that I feel like I can give it a proper review. Right on. So here are some basic facts about this record, as can be found on the always reliable Wikipedia. Static Age is the third studio album by American horror punk band The Misfits, released on February 27, 1996 on The Misfits box set, and on July 15, 1997 as a standalone album on the Caroline label. It was produced by David Chellis and Tom Bergowitz, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and was recorded from January to February 1978 at CI Recordings, New York City. It has no presence on any charts as far as I can find. Next, here's the band's lineup card. We've got Glenn Danzig on lead vocals, Jerry Only on bass and backing vocals, Franchet Coma on guitars and backing vocals, and Mr. Jim on drums. All tracks on the album were written by Glenn Danzig. Okay, let's get into a track-by-track -track analysis of this album. We open things up with the title track, Static Age. Ray, what do you think? 
It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a pretty basic chord progression. I mean, they weren't like breaking any ground there, but I mean, it's it's solid. My favorite part of the song is uh, where it breaks into the "This is the static age we live in," and it almost sounds to me like Franche Coma is like bouncing his pick off the the guitar strings a little bit, which you can kind of do towards the bridge to make that effect. All right. And uh, I like that. And there's this weird kind of like I don't know what the hell it is in that particular song. It's almost like an electronic fuzz gong thing in the background. And yeah. I don't know what the hell it is, but I think it adds it makes a nice effect to the song. Um, actually, this is probably my favorite guitar playing on the entire album. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think the other part that I really liked about this is, um, well, there's a couple. There's, part, there's a second time they run through and they come back seeing Static. There's one part where a guy gets really enthusiastic. I'm not who's sure who's They're like, Static! <laughs> I, was, I was getting a kick out of that. Um, and just to part out, we're all blue from projection tubes. Like, I got an immediate flashback to when I was a kid, like the black and white TVs. And, yeah. Like, if that was the only light on in the room, everything in the room was kind of this weird, funky blue. Like, like a blue, yeah. Yeah, you'd be listening to the Rockford Files theme song and everything yeah. in your room. Is My mother used to tell me, don't stare at the TV, you're going to go blind or some shit like that. Oh, Everybody yeah, was yeah. Afraid. You couldn't, like, watch TV in the dark. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> or sit too close to the TV. Yeah. 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 You know, you'd grow a fourth testicle and, you know, be blind. <laughs> oh, that's what happened to me. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say right up front that I am not a punk rock connoisseur. I recognize its importance and I respect it. And there are certain bands classified as punk that I like. But I've always thought of myself as more of a hard rock and metal guy. That said, I'm picking up a strong Stooges vibe from this. And it grabs my attention right away. Now, if I didn't know Glenn Danzig was singing here, I wouldn't have guessed it was him. I don't hear that Elvis from Hell style (laughs) I know from the Danzig albums. Mm -hmm. The sound is noisy and raw, like punk should be, and the vocals are shouted. The lyrics seem to be about how television has sort of taken over the American landscape. The people are all blue from projection tubes, as we've been talking about. It's very short, under two minutes, and makes its point quickly and then done. I like my first taste of The Misfits. The next track is TV Casualty. What do you say? Well, I like Jerry Only's Peter Gunn like bass line in it. Actually, Jerry Only is probably <laughs> he's probably one of my favorite parts of the Misfits at this point in their yeah. career. And and yeah, he's not like once again, I mean he's not trying to be like less Claypool or anybody else, but he like he fills the job and he has like these weird little odd fills that uh, make I guess kinda are his trademark. Personally, I'm a bit of a couch potato, so I get the whole zombification <laughs> by TV concept. Yeah. And I think that could probably even apply to cell phones and people now. But uh, trappings of modern life like Cadillacs, Zeniths, and Sony's grazing yeah. on your grave like a Jaguar. That's, I, a great, that's great imagery. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. It totally is. And Zeniths. Who thought? I, everything, I know. Everybody had like either a Philco or a Zenith TV <laughs> back in the day. I had a Sylvania. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Holy shit. That was yeah. the first color TV I saw. It was a Sylvania. But. Oh, man. Do you ever put the magnet up to the screen? and watch no. people's face? It makes people's face go... Oh, I never did that. Yeah, I think it's bad for your TV, and that will probably also cause a fourth testicle. Yeah. Um, but um, Is that what happened to me? I think that's what happened to okay, you. Okay. <laughs> but like... <laughs> The, prota- 
The protagonist of the song ignores responding to Christmas cards, pukes in the corner of his apartment, and keeps a jar of vapor rub near the filth next <laughs> yeah. to him just because he's so zoned in the TV. And then what I love, too, is how the song goes out with the, the strains of the I Love Lucy theme playing yep. in the background. Yep. And uh, if you think about it, I mean, if you look at today's technology addiction compared to then, I don't know. I think we're talking about apples and oranges. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm basically going to be repeating everything you just said. It's very similar to the first track, both sonically and lyrically. More slow, chordal strumming, except this one actually has a chorus with backing vocals shouting, TV casualty, TV casualty. <laughs> Glenn again is in that different voice than I'm used to. Maybe it's more punk. I don't know. The lyrics again are about being a slave to the TV. The narrator even has a corner to puke in and feed the flies. There are a couple of samples in there, too, including the I Love Lucy theme, like you said. Mm-hmm. I'm digging it so far, though. Excellent. The following track is Some Kinda Hate. to say some kind of hate is a fun one uh, <laughs> i mean the chord progression basically comes straight out of 50s rock and roll but it's yeah. like filtered through some like heavy fuzz and distortion and we also get introduced to glenn danzig's trademark whoa yeah. in here yeah. too although not like that but still you get the basic idea it's something that he's going to fall back on throughout his yeah. career and that gets introduced in the four chord and the five chord parts of the song uh for years i thought he was saying the maggots in the iron lung won't copulate <laughs> which made no fucking sense to me i mean i yeah, was like maggots i was like what the hell is he talking about but from one set of lyrics like found online it says the maggots in the eye of love won't copulate yeah i still don't know what the fuck glenn's singing about <laughs> but it's something about crying cats and breaking necks um, which is always kind of funny for me. Uh, <laughs> and I like they go for like a brief bridge section guitar solo. It's not nothing like it not, doesn't do the Chuck Berryisms like a, a Steve Jones kind of a guy, which is kind of like informed I think a lot of the vocabulary of like if a punk band did attempt in a solo, it's kind of like Chuck Berry riff kind of stuff. Yeah, and I had like that. There's like a weird little brief bridge section where they kind of modulate to a different key, which is they do a lot of weird modulations in their songs. Yeah, they do. I'm not really sure like if that's intentional or. I highly like, doubt it. Yeah, probably. I don't think they were. <laughs> I don't think they're into music theory and yeah, thinking no, about no. that. <laughs> so that's my take on some kind of hate. Uh, yeah, what you said basically. <laughs> Here I pick up more of a Ramones influence in the sound, maybe not so primitive. And there it is. Now I recognize that Glenn Danzig is on vocals. The Elvis from Hell persona has arrived. There's a little more variance in the music, and there's even a very short guitar solo of sorts. It even has a clear whoa, whoa, that vocal hook that, yeah, it's really cool. That's a Glenn Danzig trademark. The lyrics reveal the horror theme this band is known for. The maggots in the eye of love won't copulate. Hear the cats cry. Little tortured babies in pain. This is more of what I expected when we agreed to cover the Misfits. Mm-hmm. The next track is Last Caress.
Ray, you know this one? I might have been familiar from a certain little band from the San Francisco area that were really big fans of the Misfits. That's right, the Metallicas. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely Metallica introduced me to this song, and I loved it. I mean, the lyrics are so off that it's like really almost comical, especially when you juxtapose that with like the high energy, fun musical backdrop of the yeah. song. It's so catchy and upbeat, but it's saying about some pretty dark shit. Yeah, which, uh, it's, I guess. It, it's definitely kind of Ramonesy. So yeah, no, you can't go wrong with Last Caress. It's a keeper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, this song I knew from the Metallica cover, and I'm a little surprised to hear that Metallica does a faithful job with it. They pretty much do it straight up. Mm. Obviously, the lyrics garner a lot of attention. I got something to say. I killed your baby today, or I raped your mother today. It doesn't matter to Glenn that depraved fuck. The instrumental attack is still the same, though the tempo is much faster on this one. Jerry Only's bass is distorted, and with Franchet Coma's guitar, it sounds like a fuzzed-out blur of noise. I like the Metallica version, but I think this has them beat. It's more raw and threatening. I dig, man. Shit, yeah. Although I gotta say something, I almost kind of miss Jason Newstead's vocals on that because I still yeah. want to insert them into the back. Because he was a good counterpoint to, to James Hetfield. He was. Well, I miss a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. The following track is "Return of the Fly." Aaron, you guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> this, I swear, this, this song and the lyrics are fucking cracked me up to this song. It sounds almost like Glenn is like, you know, a Count Floyd or Bad Elvira VH1 uh, or a that VHS kind of a horror TV host. He's like, with Vincent Price. He's yeah. like, give me the rundown of how he was in the fucking song. <laughs> Um, this was a new song for me because it isn't on Legacy of Brutality, but it's definitely fun. And it reflects their obsession with like B-grade horror movies. And that's half the appeal of The Misfits for me because I have that same kind of obsession. Jerry only's got some really cool bass parts in this song. And uh, I, I think kind of like you're going to f- find that a lot more punk. I think bass becoming more prominent and prevalent in like a lot of their pieces, which is kind of cool. It got, some, it got more time in the, to shine out front instead of the guitarist all the time. Yeah. And I really dig the musical change of direction during the Helen Delam and Francois and Cecile. Part. It's, it's just, I actually had to look up Wikipedia to find out the, the the plot line to the original Fly and Return to the Fly just to see what the fuck he's singing about. It's really funny. Yeah, because he's referring to the original movies. Yeah, yeah, fifties, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. definitely. The, I think Vincent Price is definitely in both oh, of them. Oh yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this actually has a menacing intro with the fast drum rolls and the guitars and the bass. Are they in a lower key or are they just tuned down? It sounds lower to me. I think it might be. T- they might be just you know. Yeah, lo- might be just tuned down. The lyrics are about the actual nineteen fifty nine movie Return of the Fly. Glenn names Vincent Price and other characters from the movie. Cecile, Cecile. <laughs> this has a darker vibe, and Jerry's bass in particular is proposed and very loud, dominating the sound and working well with Mr. Jim's up-tempo drums. And I like how Mr. Jim switches from the hi-hat to the ride cymbal, gives the ear some different elements to pick up on. The intro returns as the song's outro, and I'm into it. Oh, they were a good rhythm section. I gotta say, yeah. I'll say more about that in the end, but I, was, I like the rhythm section of Misfits at this point. The next track is Hybrid Moments.
this one? Well, it's kind of interesting, and we talked a little bit about their intentions and what 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 they were sometimes when they're actually composing these songs. But uh, there's a thing in music theory called the Neapolitan chord, and it's like a little chord that's played like in front of the main root note, the do note, if you will, the solfege stuff. And you sometimes hear it like in uh, you more like it's like '50s society music or like weird like little jazz breakdowns. But they actually use a Neapolitan chord in this song, which is kind of neat. And they almost never go to the five chord, which is that kind of one chord you hear that you want like resolve before it goes back to the first chord. Yeah, they don't even touch that until they get to the. Um, the Ooh Baby When You Cry part, that's when they actually go to the five, which is kind of neat. But this is a 50 Sock Hop song that talks about creatures <laughs> raping your face. How can you beat that? And this is one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> yeah. A drum intro. Holy shit. A little variety. Then it's back to the driving guitar and bass wall of noise, which really works for me on this record so far. The guitar and bass musically follow each other and don't stray from the basic full frontal assault. But this is punk. What else are they going to do? The line, new creatures rape your face, makes me think of the movie Alien, but this was recorded in 78, right? I mean, Alien came out in 79, so I guess it can't be that? I don't know. Anyway, the words are creepy, and even if I didn't know what they mean, they're still pretty cool. It's good shit so far. Hell yeah. The following track is We Are 138. Are you? <laughs> I'm new. <laughs> I'm new to this song. This is another one. But uh, yeah, there's another one that's not on Legacy, but I really like the shit out of it. Um, I like how it kind of starts out almost like a swing, and then it goes balls to the wall, four on the floor, kind yep. of like hard, straight up rock. Franche Coma gets a little small three note solo, and it's kind of corny, almost <laughs> like a little farcifa organ version of a guitar solo, yeah. but it's, it's fun. Uh, supposedly this is a reference to the George Lucas movie THX 1138, in which Robert Duvall, who has that name, it makes these android police officers or something like that. Have you ever that. seen it? No, I've, I've never, never seen it either. I want to see it because yeah. I love Star Wars so well, much. So. I've heard about it forever because of mm-hmm. Star Wars. And, yeah. yeah. I guess if you interview like uh, Jerry Only and one of the other guys who play guitars, I think it's like Michael Steele or something like that, mm-hmm. they both swear up and down that, you know, it was about. Um, they had they had made buttons for the band that had like it was about people being turned into androids and then Glenn Danzig was like, I wrote the song they didn't how the fuck would they <laughs> which kind of goes along with the history of Jerry only and Glenn Danzig yeah. being pretty much at each other's throats yeah but this song rocks and I like the gang vocals where all they're saying hey 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 yep. hey hey yep. so yeah this song cool. I'm gonna repeat what you said again. It starts <laughs> off that slow marching tempo, then it switches gears, becomes a fast punk number, complete with a very short guitar solo of sorts. Glenn himself said the lyrics are about violence without elaborating, but many theories abound. Like it's based on the movie THX 1138, I saw that too. Humans are given names like license plates in the THX 1138 character, which you said is Robert Duvall. He works in a factory making robot police. I also read that it could be about Hermann Goering, the Nazi Germany leader. Whatever, I do like the tempo changes and Glenn Howells out. It slows down to the end. Pretty cool. The next track is Teenagers from Mars.
All right, Ray. <laughs> this is another new one for me, and it was kind of fitting. Or like, you know how to get those little Facebook news feeds? Yep. I just read an article uh, online about this guy that claims he lost his virginity to an alien chick in the 1950s. <laughs> and he supposedly porked her a bunch and had like a ton of hybrid kids with her over the last few years. He became an arts. He was from like, I think like Kentucky or one of those places. Oh no, it was Georgia. He was from Georgia. Then he like moved to New York City, went to art school, and like I think he, he did a whole series of art pictures about his, oh, his sex life with an alien. <laughs> and so wow. the, it kind of reminded me of while I was reading that, I was listening, I was thinking about just reviewing this album, and I was like, wow, that kind of fits along. My but, stepmother is an alien. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Kim Basinger. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But this song rocks. It's just, you know, dopey fun. And the song changes keys all over the place, which we were talking about, their modulations. Yeah, yeah. And the verse and pre-chorus are, like, completely different from the chorus. So I really dig this Teenagers from Mars song. Yeah. It's a little longer than usual. It even has a little bridge section. It's about an invasion by some mutant teen aliens, and they're looking to mate with Earth girls and reproduce and eventually take over the world, and they don't care. The lyrics even acknowledge the whole concept resembles a B-movie. Sonically, it has a couple of rhythmic ideas instead of just pounding one into the ground. The bass, as usual, is particularly growling. The chorus is hooky and shoutable, and it's silly fun as far as I'm concerned. You and I are on the same page. (laughs) The following track is Come Back. funny because uh good old mr jim the drum beat where he starts out it's like almost kind of funky like yeah. you don't expect him to break into some james brown shit <laughs> and then he just kind of goes you know, for a straight groove which i like i like overall the, i love the, dr- the drums on this album but this song in particular and this is uh, this is also on legacy of brutality but there's something different about the vocals and i can't place my finger on it i don't know if there's like no reverb on it or I, some parts it almost like the sounds like the voice is double tracked to me yeah maybe it was like some sort of like tape trick that they did back then but the vocals sound a lot different than it was on the legacy brutality album okay because like it turns out that like the drummer and the guitarist basically got wiped off that album when it came to legacy of brutality and like record all their parts with just jim with uh, just glenn or something like oh, that i don't know yeah. yeah yeah but yeah i guess when it came to legacy those guys were take, they're taken off track completely and re-recorded wow but um, take that. I know. Jerry only plays like a bass line that doesn't sound really out of place, like on a pop it from the fifties or sixties. It's like a root third, fifth kind of a bass line. Yeah, and it, it kind of fits along with their kind of shtick. Jerry also gets some little six little bass fills, like on the two bad comeback part and portions. If you like, listen hard to it. Yeah. Uh, this is the longest track on the record by far, at a little over five minutes, almost the length of three normal Misfits tunes on this album. <laughs> it starts with a short drum fill and then settles into that insistent rhythm, choppy and steady, with some minor runs in the bass that keep on that constant pulse. The guitar actually has some longer strum chords that gloss over the rhythm, and there's a sense of a trance-like feel in the music to me. This time, Glenn shouts the lyrics as a corpse, and it's hinted that he may have committed suicide, inciting a raven to come bite his face. <laughs> Horror-themed lyrics that have a certain Edgar Allan Poe flair to them. It's funny, it's only a five-minute song, but I feel like it's somehow too long, and it has a completely different vibe than what we're used to. I don't know, I don't feel this one as much, so I guess it's gotta be... Aaron Stinky Stinker. <laughs> 
The next track is Angel Fuck. This is the song that like drew me to the, to the Brutality album because I had heard it from a buddy of mine and I'm like, dude, that song rocks. And so, uh, yeah, this is my go-to song on Legacy for a long time before I actually gave the entire album a chance. It's almost kind of surfy. I like it. And I guess she's, go depending on who you're reading for lyrics, I checked out different like lyric pages. She's going down on a fire plug. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I used to think it was... <laughs> She sighs for everyone. It's like, no, the, the lyrics right now, it's a size for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I don't know not to say some, something about my naivete that I was, I was like, oh, she sighs for everybody. <laughs> no, that ain't what it's about. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Angel Fuck, Angel, it just kicks ass. Yeah, the short, fast punk rock returns with two basic sections of noisy music and Glenn telling about Angel Fuck who seems to be a prostitute who gets herself in trouble and may have been assaulted as she doesn't seem to care whom she services, including a dude who's like a fire plug. <laughs> the narrator seems to come to her rescue and takes her away from the life. I dig the drums in this one as Mr. Jim changes up his playing and throws in some extra beats and fills, and I like Glenn singing in the second sections where his voice is higher and more urgent as the music amps up the tension as well. I really like this one. Yeah, I will say this with Glenn's vocals. I noticed this more because he got a little bit more croonier and Elvisier, if that's even a description, <laughs> back by the time he got to the dancing stage, but here's like his rock screams in this one. Pfft, yeah. Friggin' mint, dude. Yes, they are. Yeah. The following track is Hollywood Babylon. This is another one that's a new one for me, and I fucking love the shit out of this one. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking awesome. Supposedly the lyrics were inspired by a Kenneth Anger movie, and I, some of you people remember him from a movie called Lucifer Rising, which I guess Led Zeppelin was supposed to do the music for. Yeah. And I don't know, I can't remember whether they submitted it and it was, he didn't like it. It was or, Jimmy Page, I think. Oh, just Jimmy yeah, Page. It was not yeah, Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was some sort of thing with him and Kenneth Anger. I'm not really sure yeah. what exactly it was, but I don't think it was a pleasant result for either party. Nope. But uh, I love like on the chorus when he, with the sustained Hollywood and it, they had like that. I said I wasn't going to yeah. go to the flatted fifth Diablo music, but it's a part <laughs> of blues music too. But they they had that juxtaposed over the flatted fifth. I've always loved that interval, so I like how they do that and they just kind of draw Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. This song has groove, man. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like a 1950s throwback tune, similar to the Peter Gunn theme, though it's obviously sped up and a little bit different. There are times in this album when I wish the guitar was louder in the mix, though, and this is one of them. Franchet is a little drowned out by Jerry's bass, which is too bad since he's doing interesting things, especially in the chorus. 
The title and lyrics are obviously inspired by the book Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger, which describes scandalous events in the lives of famous Hollywood celebrities, making the case that Hollywood itself is only concerned with superficial beauty, glamour, and sex. The groove makes this a winner in my book. Yep, nice. The next track is Attitude. I do, I do, there's a part of me, and I think that anybody who's ever been in a relationship can relate to the lyrics <laughs> on a certain <laughs> level. Uh, you know, what guy hasn't thought this at some point? Or maybe it's just me, I don't know. But the song is okay. But for me, personally, I'm going to say this is Ray's unimpressed musical pick. There's nothing subtle here. Fast and in your face, two chords in the verses and a couple more in the choruses, strumming and making a blast of noise. Glenn's yelling about you having some fucking attitude toward him, and if you don't stop, he's going to knock your ass out. It's another quick, noisy solo, and this tune rips by in a minute and a half. Nothing wrong with that, man. That's punk to me. Guns N' Roses did a cover of this on the Spaghetti Incident album, and it doesn't even get to sniff the farts of the original. This is the real (laughs) shit. Nice. The following track is Bullet. this holy shit this recorded in 78 i mean it's still like you know a decade away from when the actual incident of the assassination happened over like more than a decade but you know yeah. the the, pri- the previous decade in the 60s yeah it's still relatively close if you ask me but boy is this song dark and i, I love it <laughs> i love it man uh it's just the ride johnny ride part i thought that was pretty humorous yeah i got a real good chuckle out of it and i even like um I gotta laugh at some of the demands he makes on Jacqueline Kennedy on <laughs> in the rest of the song. It's kind of dumb, but it's kind of funny at the same time. But it's, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with this song. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a keeper. It's yeah. a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Glenn's voice is immediately heard as he snarls out the controversial lyrics, which comment on the assassination of President Kennedy while condemning his wife Jackie as a gold digger, only out to marry into money to maintain her lifestyle, thus explaining why she married Aristotle Anastasia. The venom is thick in his voice as Glenn slams Texas as the reason JFK is dead and Jackie needs to suck and fuck to get what she wants. Musically, it's more of the same as we've heard throughout the record, fast, loud, and uncompromising. This is the fuck you ethos of punk in action. You are not going to hear this on the radio for sure, and that's what makes it great. The next track is Theme for a Jackal. Radio 
Okay, Ray. Um, I like the little feedback squeals in the, in the beginning are kind of cool. And uh, I actually always loved the piano on this. Now, like on the very first incarnation of The Misfits, it was Glenn playing electric piano. Right. So I didn't see that in any of the credits, but I'm assuming as much that hit that that's probably... It's got to be him, yeah, right? It's got to be, be him. But the piano's really, really good in it. Um, sonically, it's one of the most out-of-place songs on Legacy, and I guess this album. Yeah, it is. Um, but um, Jerry only's got the easiest part of the song. He has one job. <laughs> And he does it well. <laughs> All the way through. Yep. The little bit of piano syncopation at the end is kind of like... Yeah. Glenn getting down and getting funky. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. And from what I've seen in the lyrics, I mean, it's pretty dark lyrics. And I've always heard the weird things about Jackal and, and horror movies and horror in general. Like, have you ever seen 13 Ghosts? Yes, yeah, it's been a while. One of the ghosts in there is the, the Jackal. The remake, you mean, or the... Or the I think, yeah, the remake, yeah. yeah. I never saw the original one, I don't think. Yeah, but there's... The, the, one of, the, one of like the different archetype ghosts, one is called the Jackal. Yeah. And I was like just, just looking it up online, and according to Wikipedia, uh, the Jackal is considered a representative of the goddess Kali in Bengali tantric traditions. Interesting. So there's like, you know, people... People associate Jackals with like bad omens. And yeah, well, they're scavengers, so, right? Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's... And I guess maybe that plays in... I don't know. Yeah, well, do my ears deceive me, or is that a piano I hear banging away? It obviously is. It's constant, and it's a big component of the sound. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. The guitar utilizes a lot of feedback noise to keep things unsettled while the bass plays a repeated ascending figure. You already said that, but I have to repeat it. <laughs> I actually pick up a Velvet Underground influence in the overall sound of the music of this one, though I'm probably wrong. Lyrically, this has some cool imagery. Die Sweet Prince, Dead Daughter in the River, Meat Tastes Like Mints. I cannot figure out what Glenn is saying, but it's vivid and unnerving. I read what others think it's about online, and I get everything from the Ted Kennedy Chappaquiddick incident to Shakespeare's Hamlet. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I like how Glenn's vocals get more intense as the song progresses, though, and there's even a little variety in that piano playing as it fades out, that little syncopated stuff you were talking about. This is a good one. <laughs> it's kind of an outlier, but it's still, I like it. It's yeah, good. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> The following track is She. She walked out with empty arms, machine gun in her hand. She is good and she is bad, no one understands. She walked in the silence, never spoke a word. She's got a rich daddy, she's her daddy's girl. She what, Ray? Well, she... I'm going to say that my feelings on this song could best be summed up by Mr. Billy Milano and uh, one of the uh, S.O.D. records. Is it S.O.D. or M.O.D.? But it was short, but <laughs> sweet. <laughs> I don't know what this... This song is freaking short as hell. Maybe like a minute or something. I don't even know. This song's fucking awesome. I mean, supposedly Erie Vaughn says it's about Patty Hearst. Who knows? I guess I can kind of hear that in the lyrics of being about her. But I like how it goes from kind of like the croony sounding in the verse section to the Glenn Danzig rock scream in the chorus, and that sounds pretty yeah. badass. Yeah. Um, Jerry, Jerry only's got some really good shit playing in this in the chorus part too. He sounds like a guy who wants to play John Paul Jones like Phil's, but he has no clue how to. He says, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go for it." <laughs> and there are these weird, quirky little Jerry only things, and they're yeah. pretty fucking ballsy. Yeah, it's back to the raw, fuzzy, distorted sound, though Jerry plays a few unexpected, interesting bass runs, like you just said. It's straight to the point, no solos. This sucker is over in 1 minute 24 seconds, the shortest <laughs> track on the album. 
The lyrics are supposed to be inspired by Patty Hearst, who at 19 years old was famously kidnapped and supposedly brainwashed by an urban terrorist group that she ended up robbing a bank with. Glenn's vocals again are dynamic, and this track makes its point and gets out quick. This track and the next two were mixed in 1997 for the standalone Static Age record. They weren't mixed in 78. Okay. The penultimate track is Spinal Remains. This. this is a fun little surf punk rockabilly rave up mm-hmm. is the way I think of this song when I hear it. And if you look at the lyrics online, Glenn says, I will not plug a fucking ass. <laughs> um, truth be told, if you can figure out what the fuck he's singing about, God bless you on this song because there's so many different interpretations. <laughs> yeah. I would actually like to find his lyric sheet. But this is a, well, this is a great song with like a lot of punk sh- songs, and, and this is no way a Limp Biscuit reference. <clears throat> <laughs> this is a good song to break a bunch of shit too. If you ever have, <laughs> if you're ever in the mood and you have the ability to do it and not have to pay financially for it afterwards and just walk away from it, I yeah. miss those days. All right, yeah, put this song on in the background <laughs> as you're doing it. <laughs> it's fast, primitive punk rock, like most of the album. There's nothing really unique happening musically, but it's loud and in your face. These lyrics, though, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm picking up some kind of nasty sex with cutting involved. I think the girl is into kinky S&M that Glenn is not really feeling because he will not cut his fucking ass. <laughs> this is okay. It's not a standout for me, despite the weird-ass lyrics. It's kind of eh. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the final track, In the Doorway. In the doorway, shining so bright. In the doorway, I Last track. Uh, There's probably one of the more serious songs in the album, and it kind of, it almost kind of reminds me, mood-wise, maybe vibe-wise, of The Cure, but just with like a shit ton more distortion. But it's definitely got that kind of moody, introspective thing going on there, and kind of wistfully looking at some event in the past. Um, it's definitely a direction change for the rest of the album, I guess too. In a kind of way, and I'm, I would people like misfits saying like, "How dare you compare this to Tesla?" But like <laughs> in the same lines of mechanical resonance. It's kind of an odd choice of a song to go on, yeah. out on. That said, I love the shit it's out of it. It's still cool, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a good one. Great one. Yeah, Glenn practically croons this one in his evil Elvis persona, and it works. It's not a ballad per se, but it has a somber vibe, and the lyrics seem to be about a past sexual partner Glenn had that he can't forget, and he ain't going to let her forget about it either. There's some menace to his vocals, kind of stalkerish. To me, this song kind of points the way to what Danzig would do later. In his career, like yeah. in his other bands. I, I can hear that for sure. Though the instrumental sound is the same as everything else on the record, that fuzzy blur, the music stays low down and keeps that dark vibe, serving the vocals well. It's not their typical fast adrenaline rush, it's more contemplative. 
I really dig this one. It's one of my favorites on the album. Makes you feel like being a moody teenager all over again, doesn't it? Hmm. <laughs> now that the track by track is done, we'll go into our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0 to 5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which is total garbage. Ray, give us your final thoughts on Static Age. Well, I'm going to say, give my, my view on the album, I'm going to go into a little bit of my feelings about the genre, and then I'll go back into my rationale for why I picked that. Um, I'm going to give this an album of four. Uh, the cool thing about punk is that, sure, bands like the Misfits, the Ramones, are never going to be held in the same regard as bands like Zeppelin, Rush, or The Mother's Invention, or even King Crimson, as far as their musical skills are concerned. But what they lack in training and polish, they make for up enthusiasm and high energy. They didn't totally suck at their instruments either. They actually made some basic meat and potatoes rock and roll. They may have lacked training, but the music they made is reflective of a positive relationship they had as musicians with music as a whole. What I don't like about punk is that the scene could be just as elitist and clicky as some prog bands or jazz musicians going towards their own genre. Yeah, you don't you know? hear about that too much, do you? No, you don't. It's supposed to be like the great equalizer, and you know, no, it's, it's, it's really not. Um, the last thing I wanted in my youth was to some skateboarding weasel with a Leonardo DiCaprio haircut, limpy <laughs> skatewear, and a dead Kennedy's t-shirt telling me how my love of Iron Maiden was kind of dumb. Too many pretentious artsy-fartsy types wear these God Save the Queen's pins on their, like, a fucking required mm. uniform. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't, that, didn't like it then. As a middle-aged man, I still don't like it. Apparently, it must have traumatized me because <laughs> I fucking hate it. Um... That said, I love this album. It combines my love of high-energy rock and roll, B-grade horror movie and science fiction movies, and shock rock. Glenn Danzig was a cool songwriter and singer, and Jerry Only and Mr. Jim Mary are a really passable rhythm section for that genre. French Coma or, did his role nicely. I mean, he, what he played wasn't super memorable, but it met the needs of the song. Uh, that said, I do like his playing on the tile track. I think that was pretty underrated. So, four it is for me. All right. The Misfits were formed in 1977 by Glenn Danzig in Lodi, New Jersey, named after Marilyn Monroe's final film, The Misfits. Danzig recruited drummer Manny Martinez and bassist Jerry Kayafa. I don't I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. They didn't have a guitar player, and the sound was run through Danzig's electric piano. They recorded their first single, Cough Cool, and released it through their own label, Blank Records, in August 1977. Jerry's last name was misspelled on the record sleeve, and he decided from then on he'd, he would be credited as Jerry, only Jerry, which became Jerry only. Guitarist Frank Licata joined the band and became Franche Coma, and the band went for a punk rock sound, allowing Danzig to drop the piano and concentrate on singing, while Manny Martinez was replaced on drums with Mr. Jim, his last name was Catania, or Catania. Major label Mercury Records wanted to use the name Blank Records for one of its subdivisions and offered Danzig 30 hours of studio time in exchange for the trademark to the name. He accepted, and in January 1978, the Misfits recorded 17 songs, 14 of which were mixed for that first album, Static Age. But the band couldn't find a label to release it, so they released four of the songs in June 1978 as the bullet single on their own label, Plan 9 Records. Soon after, the Misfits underwent a shift in songwriting and appearance, with Danzig writing more horror and science fiction lyrics, and Jerry only growing a devil lock, a pointy hair hanging between his eyes all the way down to his chin, which the other band members would adopt and give them their distinctive look. But the songs from a Static Age session sort of got pushed to the side and forgotten when the Misfits made these changes, and they didn't see the light of day until 1996, 18 years later on the Misfits box set. And then the other four tracks that didn't get mixed in 78 got mixed in 97 and put on the Static Age standalone album. So this is really the debut album from the Misfits, although by release date it's their third. 
For me, as I said earlier, I've never been the biggest punk fan. I respect it. I fully understand its importance. I get it. And I like the early punk and proto-punk bands when the movement really got going in the mid-70s. But when it went into its subgenres and it sped up and more intense, like hardcore and grindcore and such, I couldn't be bothered. Again, respect, but it wasn't something that grabbed me. I know the Misfits are an influential band, and I was surprised at how much I dug this record, actually. It sounds really primitive, and I can hear the influences of bands that I like, so I was able to kick back and dig into these tunes. Plus, this is where the story of Glenn Danzig more or less begins. I give Static Age a 3. It's not going to convert me into a big punk fan. I'm not going to go get a mohawk or a devil lock. But I can appreciate what it stands for, and I can hear the influence the Misfits have in later bands that I do like. So yeah, I dig the Misfits. Now we'd like to thank our friend Jonathan Howard for requesting this album, and we hope you dug the episode. Thanks, man. We got an iTunes review, Ray, a five-star review, as always, coming to us from super listener Sam George. Oh, yeah. It's about our Beatles Rubber Soul episode, and Sam writes, Your dads and my dad should shoot pool and maybe bowl a frame or two. <laughs> I held that record in my hands. Great podcast. Ray P. Five oscillating stars. Sam, you'll make me blush. <laughs> we really would like to see some more iTunes reviews for the podcast coming in. It really helps us out. And to all the listeners out there, we sincerely thank you for the support. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the Album Addicts branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way, and yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Shoot us an email and we'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host a show with us, and we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for album to cover, less like this episode. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for Albumatics, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ray. See ya. Chuck Biscuits. And Walfarts. Like a coffee with it. I